Hey, everybody, it's Eric Clark. It is the end of February already, February 29th. I'm recording this uh, about 1045 Pacific time. And just a quick update for February and year to date for markets, the brand strategy, as well as the active trading that we do on occasion when we have some opportunities. So you know, just want to remind people the the thesis from an investment perspective is, you know, if, if stocks do roughly 10% a year over the long term, oddly, they rarely actually do 10% in a calendar year. But uh, all the numbers over the last 100 years kind of cluster around that 10% area. In theory, great businesses, industry leaders, top global brands should outperform the market over time. Not every year, lots of crazy things happen on a year on a yearly basis, but over time should perform better, you know, let's call it 13% plus. So, you know, 300 basis points of outperformance over time to that 10% number should happen. Um, and I, you know, not so ironically, and, and you know, we took, the, we took the brands fund, Dynamic Brands over October of 2017. And, you know, we had a crash in the fourth quarter of 2018 with the Fed raising interest rates into a slowdown. They obviously backed off of that pretty quickly. Uh, then we had the pandemic, you know, for the first quarter, it kind of the stock markets crashed. Um, then we had 50 year high inflation, interest rates going from zero to over 5%. So there's been a lot of things thrown at the market over the last almost, you know, about six and a half years since we took this fund over. And, you know, as of the end of the month, the fund is annualized about 13.87. So that's kind of the, your thesis is, is, is playing out like we talked about. And, you know, from 2017 into the peak of 2021, the fund annualized at 23 and change. It was really only 2022's difficult year for growth and for quality that brought that average down. And if you look at the three-year number, there's still a raging opportunity in this thematic of consumer because the consumer sector underperformed over the last three years when it traditionally outperforms. So that's the opportunity. You haven't missed it. And most consumers are still woefully and chronically underweight the best consumer stocks. And that's the opportunity, obviously, rather than you know just owning another large growth fund that's overweight tech all the time. There's not a lot of value out there. Just buy just buy the QQQ or or, or some some ETF to get you that broad-based exposure. We intent you know intentionally look very different than the market because you can go buy the market for five or 10 basis points. Why would you want to pay a fee for a mutual fund? So, you know, there is still an opportunity in consumer as a mean reversion, which is probably one of the key reasons we are overweight a few three-year laggards like Amazon, like Live Nation. Those two stocks are about 22% of the fund, Amazon at 15%, Live Nation about 7%, and love these names on every dip that comes. So Let's let's look at February and, and year to date and just kind of the markets overall first before we get into, you know, some of the winners and losers and some of the trading stuff. February was a strong month. It's typically weak. There's there's that seasonality not playing out when everybody's talking about it. 
But the market, I think right now, is just a little bit tired. Although under the surface, there is a lot of volatility at the sector industry and single stock level. Great for traders, not as great for buy and hold investors. Um, but you know the market, and we'll get into the returns in a minute, the market's done pretty well in the first couple of months of the year. So it certainly wouldn't shock me to see us go sideways as we work off some of this tired action. But I also think we might, you know, this year's gains might be somewhat front end loaded into the end of summer. And then as we get into some of the election uh, rhetoric and volatility. Um, so, you know, I'm not surprised we're strong. The last, what, 16 months have been pretty strong since the bottom in October, late October of 2022. And historically, you tend to have a decent year the fo you know following uh following a difficult year of 20 like a, a like a year of 2022 so we're still seeing trading opportunities um this month wasn't as robust a trading environment for us partly because we're not momentum chasers i i've said many times on twitter uh and in these conversations i do not like to chase moving tr moving trains i tend to like buying great brands when they pull back short term, um, because maybe that's the value investor embedded in a in a overall growth investment strategy like brands. So you know January was much more robust because January the market was a little bit more range bound, and then February the markets kind of took off, uh, at least for the first three weeks for, for the first three weeks of February, and then we've been a little bit choppy um, ever since. So. From an overall macro picture perspective, you know, we still think inflation is higher than the Fed wants it to be for longer than the Fed would like it to be. Um, we're still, I don't know that we need to raise interest rates anymore. I think we're pretty comfortable where, and I think the Fed said we're pretty comfortable where we are with base rates. Um, they probably just aren't going to, you know, cut interest rates uh, as much as people think. And I, and we're, you're seeing the market adjust to that eventuality um, over the last, you know, couple of weeks or so. So that means range interest rates are probably going to be more volatile and range bound for longer, which probably means that quality high, high, you know, high quality balance sheets, quality businesses, profits uh, over, you know, high growth without profits should perform better, which does, dovetail into a strategy like brands because naturally you know really good brands tend to be high quality businesses have good market share have good economic moats good profits good free cash flow generation all that stuff so the momentum and the quality style factors have been where most of the gains have come from high revenue growth has done well as well so then obviously you have some some idiosyncratic wins and losses but you know, lately, I don't love the action in some of the more profitless stocks. That isn't a particularly healthy development. I don't think it's sustainable. I just think those things were beaten down and lagging. And you've, you've seen, you know, the high short interest basket of stocks perform of late. I just don't think it's very sustainable. But overall, from an economic perspective, you know, we think we're in this Goldilocks period where the U.S. economy stays out of recession stays range bound but fairly strong wages are are strong uh the you know uh, everybody has everybody who wants a job can get a job we are certainly seeing some 
signs of companies still rationalizing employees, but they, but the people that are rationalized generally can probably find jobs. And so, you know, Europe is kind of emerging from a slowdown or recession in certain countries. China has probably troughed from an economic perspective. I don't know that it's going to be a V because the government of China just continues to do dumb things where economic growth is considered. Foreign direct investment continues to be nervous about China and the government there. And until that changes, you know, there's there might be great trading opportunities in China. I just don't think there's great buy and hold opportunities in China, even though a lot of great businesses uh, are super, super cheap. It's just they have a government who who just doesn't want to play, you know, anything related to capitalism. And you also have our government trying to do whatever we can to hold them back. So Asia overall is doing OK. So. Globally speaking, economic growth is okay. Inflation has come down, albeit range bound. That for for great businesses with great cash balances and innovation uh, and and a willingness to spend and grow, that's a great environment for those kind of businesses. And we just happen to play in that category, um, you know, primarily. So let's look at returns year to date. The S and P is up, you know. Uh, the 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 trading day isn't over, so I'll just guesstimate, you know, X today. But you know, the S and P is up about six point seven. The Nasdaq QQQ is up six point three. Uh, the the Russell one, the Russell two thousand. You know, everybody talked about this broadening of the markets, and in some cases, it's happened, but it isn't broad. It's in select areas. Uh, the Russell one thousand, I I think, is only up about one percent year to date. The equal weighted S&P RSP is up 3%. So again, the big winner year to date has been the Russell large cap growth. And that's kind of what should happen when we're in this kind of environment up about 9%. You know, the Russell 1000 value, large cap value is only up two and a half. Consumer discretionary as a sector is only up two and a half. Um, Russell 1000 growth is up almost six, just under that. And the brands fund is up, you know, roughly 10% or so. So we're outperforming the markets. We had about an inline uh, February relative to, you know, the indexes. If you look at the February winners at the sector level, consumer discretionary did have, after a lagging uh, January, they had a good resurgence up six and change industrials actually uh, were up almost 6%. So they did pretty well as well as materials. And uh, the S&P was up four and change, NASDAQ up four and a half. Small caps did have a good February up five. Um, you know, the XLG, which is the biggest companies were up 5.2 and change. So <clears throat> it, it, it has been a pretty good year through two months. So it's hard to expect the market to continue performing that way. I just think we could go sideways and chop around for a little bit. But again, that's great for traders. And we are committed to when we can find trades, when we can find things to, you know, ways to make money in two weeks or less. I use a month, but if you look at the data thus far that we've been tracking, these, these trades tend to be two weeks or less. Um, we tend to like to buy great businesses, great brands when they have, you know, a three or four day pullback rather than chasing momentum. 
um, which is a little bit more risky. Momentum, the momentum factor is great long-term, but it occasionally really bites you. And so I, I'd, I'd prefer to buy some things on red and hope to sell them on green again. So if you look at the laggards, um, you know, staples, REITs, utilities, defensives are lagging, not surprisingly, if if offense is is really what, what's driving the, the returns thus far. If you look at brands, you know, year to date, Meta is up 25% after a strong earnings report. Uber's up 20%. Uh, I think Amazon's probably up 12 and change. They're so doing pretty well. Live Nation's up about eight and change. Eli Lilly has been a big winner, up 17. We have a few laggards. Lululemon's down almost two. Google's down three and a half. Uh, Mercado Libre on a noisy quarter is down seven, was, was performing well into the quarter. And then uh, stock is sold off. We added to that one. Google, man, the narrative on Google is is pretty negative right now. You know, Google's potential demise is certainly going to be a slow moving train. So it would not shock me if this quarter is positive, even though the narrative is Google has, has lost their way. They're a bloated infrastructure uh, and their business is a bit of a melting ice cube. I don't know if I buy that in, entirely, but they, they certainly aren't performing the way they should. I think management needs to change. I think they are too bloated at the staff level, and I think they need to do more buybacks. I suspect they're going to do. Uh, they're going to institute a dividend at some point. They should, you know, stop doing all these ridiculous side bets that never seem to make any money. Um, Apple looks a little bit heavy right now, so the negative on Apple is pretty is pretty bad uh, short term, but you know we, we like that long term and and as it comes down, we'll probably add to that one. Blackstone has been a bit of a laggard. Microsoft, Visa, Apple, Lulu, Google, and Nike have been laggards thus far, but we have some good outperformers um, in Apollo, Amazon, Live Nation, KKR, LVMH, uh, DraftKings has been a good performer year to date. Even Costco's up, I think, 7%. Like I said, Eli Lilly's up. And then we've added some new names and, and, and thematics in travel and primarily services because uh, we still think consumers are underspending in goods because they overspent in goods and they have underspent in services like travel and eating out. And that's really what experience is really where where people are focused. So we added things like Marriott and Hilton and Airbnb on dips and as well as booking.com, particularly on this earnings related dip. And we added back Chipotle and uh, and TJ Maxx. We had a smaller position in TJX. They reported yesterday, had a super strong report across the board. So we are adding to that one on dips. And we also, uh, I've traded it a few times, but we're adding a core position that's more of a buy and hold. And, and if I get a chance, I'll trade around it in Salesforce. Yesterday, they reported a great quarter and it's just really grown up as a business. It's become more of a blue chip brand. Growth has certainly slowed, but it's stable, predictable. It's growth at a reasonable price. They just initiated a, a divid, their first dividend, as did booking.com. And, uh, and they're generating a metric ton of free cash and buying back stock. So it, it really does look you know, and feel like a great, stable, predictable grower now. And we really like that kind of narrative in this kind of environment. Okay, so let's talk about trading. As a reminder, we don't trade to trade. 
We trade when we see opportunities. And, you know, the, the results of the trading tell you a little bit about the trading environment. January was really robust. Uh, the return was about 5%. We traded roughly 20% of the value of the fund. And importantly, we're not holding 20% of the value of the fund in cash, static cash. We are trading, you know, last month we traded for with roughly 800K average trade. Um, so we're really only holding about 5% of the fund in cash. And we have a high velocity of trading. Uh, and that over time can compound. This month has been a little bit less from a velocity and from an average trade amount because I, I decided to, because the market seemed to be broadening out, I wanted to take smaller amounts, but in a larger number of trades. And as those trades pay, we just sell them and put them back into the cash ready for, for another. So at one time, I think we had about eight or excuse me, eight or nine stocks that we were trading. And, um, and the returns have been a little bit less than last month, but well inside of the range, you know, the goal of trading is, you know, two and a half to five or 6% a month. And as a reminder, you know, if you could trade three and a half percent a month as a smooth mechanism, it's not going to be like that every month, but if you smooth it out at three and a half percent, that's 51% compounded a year when the average stock market does 10 percent trading can be pretty robust even at two and a half percent average month of gains compounded that's 35 percent a month so you know it can add a bunch of value to your core over time and again we're not going to trade just a trade we're going to trade when we see the opportunities but let's look at the the net summation. So, you know, uh, we traded with about 13 million or so this month, which again is, you know, almost 20% of the fund. We don't keep it in cash. We just have a high velocity. Um, average gain for the month was um, about 3%. And the total net gain on the month was three and a quarter percent that yielded about $421,000 of net gains um, on that. So that we had more trades, because like I said, I, I had smaller increments in a larger number of names. So we had about 30 stocks traded uh, versus about 18 in January. And um, you know, average hold time was less, about five and a half days versus 11 last month. Um, these were scalps. And in some cases, remember, I keep a short, I keep a tight leash on these trades. And so when certain trades went against us, we cut them pretty quickly. And so, you know, the worst trade was minus 8%. That was MGM and the, and, and Palo Alto networks at minus six, we took a small starter position into earnings. Um, and the earnings, they, they kind of shocked the street with uh, with a change in business model. So the stock got hit pretty bad, but we added to it and made some good gains on the ad. But so overall, it was only down down six or so. And some great trades uh, on the upside were Meta was up 14 and change on, on a great earnings report. We added to it before earnings. Amazon was up 10 as a trade and Live Nation was up 10. Um, 
So decent, you know, decent, uh, decent trading environment again, but a little bit lighter again, because the market's kind of ripped higher and we don't like to chase momentum. So naturally there wasn't as, as much to trade. And I traded with less because uh, there were less companies that were pulling back, giving me an opportunity to make that trade. So, um, you know, decent month, um, gosh, if, if I could do three and a half percent, three and a quarter percent for on average for the year, remember that's 35%, that will add, and I'm doing it with tw roughly 20% in value of the fund. If the fund does 10 to 15% and I have a decent trading environment of, of 35%, that's going to be a pretty good result. And again, thus far, the fund's up around 10, the market's up six and change. So we are adding value over the index in part from the core basket and in part from the trading basket. And that is, um, you know, that's, that's not a bad, not a, not a bad, you know, differentiator over a passive index. Now, some people, lastly, the last thing I'll, I'll add before I'll close it up is, you know, some having trading gains is a high class problem, right? But you do have to pay taxes. So, you know, if you are an advisor and you're listening to this and you know that we tend to do some active trading and if we're successful, we should generate some returns. Remember that we do try to harvest losses along the way. Sometimes we can harvest losses and not pay a gain like last year. We had great trading gains last year. Uh, the, the fund was up 44 and change or 42 and change, excuse me. Um, but we were able to harvest some gains and we carried over some from 2022. Um, and so we didn't have to pay a cap gain. That's not always going to happen. So if you're somebody who looks at taxes and, and really wants to have no capital gains liability for clients and in, in the funds that you use, put this fund in your tax, uh, you know, your, your tax-free basket. And let's face it, most of people's money is in their tax-free basket. So, you know, in my opinion, you should have a very tax-efficient uh, basket of ETFs and or funds in your taxable portfolios. And then you have funds like this, which could potentially pay a cap gain in your tax-free basket, which is where most of people's money is anyway. And you have to have some allocation to the largest, most predictable theme on the planet, and that's consumer spending. So that's it for this month. I'll talk to you next month. We will see, again, if we have a range-bound market because the market's a little tired, we should have a decent trading environment, but we shall see. Talk to you later.